series I began a week ago out of Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In fact, when Jesus comes, he's not going to be looking for a great society. He's not going to be looking for world peace. He's looking for one thing. Will I find faith on earth? That's what Jesus is asking. And, and by faith on earth, he's coming back to find, everybody say it with me, hands-on faith. Hands-on faith. How many of you know what hands-on is? It's when you learn by doing. Hands-on faith. So when he says, when I come back, will I find faith on earth? He's not saying, am I going to find people who believe in me? He's, gonna, he's really saying, am I going to find people who are doing what I did? Do you understand the difference? He's coming back and he's saying, will I find faith on earth? Or will I find people doing what I did? Hands-on faith. Matthew 16 and 19, Jesus said, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. Now, when you saw this scenario, I want you to think about what this man did when he came across that, that uh, hawk that was just about dead and uh, began to loose him from the coils of the serpent. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release, everyone say release. release. Whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. Why can we release things on earth? Because they've already been released in heaven. When the Lord Jesus defeated Satan and rose from the dead, He released the captives through His blood and He gave the authority over the enemy to us. Hallelujah. And He said, whatever you release is already released in heaven. So have confidence. Go out. Get a hold of that hawk. Start pulling that serpent off. I give you authority to do so in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? You know, faith is, and I, I say this all the time, but you need to get this. Faith is not just believing in Jesus. Faith is specifically, if you want to take Jesus' words for it, Jesus said faith is for moving mountains. That's what faith is for. Faith is not just for believing in God, because the Bible says the devil believes. And he doesn't have faith, he just knows that Jesus is real. So when Jesus said, I want you to have faith, and when I come back, am I going to find faith on earth? He wasn't talking about believing in Jesus. Because demons believe in Jesus. What is it that you have that qualifies as capital F-A-I-T-H, faith, that the devil doesn't have that's more than believing? It's the ability to speak to the mountain with the authority of Jesus' name and command it to go and it will obey you. Can you say amen? So in... in uh, in uh, um, Matthew, uh, excuse me, in, in Mark 11, 22 and 23, Jesus said, have faith in God. Or another translation says, have the faith of God. For I said to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you can finish the rest, you know what it says. So what is the point? Jesus is saying real faith, the faith I'm looking for when I come back, is I'm looking for people who are talking to the mountains and moving them. I'm looking for people who are releasing the captives. Praise the Lord. So faith is for telling mountains to move. In fact, this was Jesus' explanation when the disciples came to him, when uh, he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration and came down and, and a, a father had brought his epileptic son that had a spirit in him 
and the, the disciples couldn't cast that spirit out. And the disciples said to Jesus, how come we can't cast that spirit out? Listen to what Jesus said. Because of your unbelief, not because you lack holiness, not because you're not perfect, not because you've made some mistakes, then you, the devil wouldn't obey you because you weren't perfect. He didn't say any of that. He said, because of your unbelief, most assuredly, I tell you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. That is what Jesus is looking for when he comes back. Do I have people on earth that are speaking to mountains and moving them? Do I have people doing in the Spirit for others who are in bondage what this man did for this hawk when she was in the coils and the clutches of death of that serpent? Can you say amen? amen. So, you know, um, in the book of Acts, they use the term the faith. And throughout the epistles, it talked about people being... Um, uh, 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 obedient to the faith. Everyone say the faith. the faith. You see, but back then the term the faith meant something different than what it means today. Today, the word the faith means that we believe that miracles happened back then. But back then, the faith meant something entirely different. Back then, it says in Acts 16 and 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Why did they increase in number daily? Because something new had come? No, because they were established in the faith. They were speaking to the mountains. They were releasing hawks from the clutches of the serpent. They were pulling the enemy off of bound lives. No wonder the churches were being filled every day. Isn't that simple? Do you get that? That's what they called the faith. Hallelujah. It's, hand, it's believing in the hands-on authority of the gospel. So no wonder they increased daily. Because the believers back then fought, listen to me, they fought for the deliverance of captives. Today, instead of the churches increasing daily, today, <laughs> uh, my goodness, bondage increases daily. While Christians are fighting for environmentalism, socialism, and uh, homosexual rights. That's what the Christians are fighting for today. That's what the Christians are defecting away from the faith in order to embrace. Is they're embracing environmentalism, socialism, and gay rights, homosexual marriage. No wonder bondage is increasing. No wonder captives are piling up in the church. Captives are piling up in the church. People are coming in church. They're not getting delivered. They're becoming more diseased. They're becoming more bound. Nobody's pulling the serpents off the hawks, even the Christian hawks. Can you say amen? So one of the things we want to do is we want to take a look at the elements of what happened in this parable and, and hear what the Lord is saying to us. First of all, intercessors. I want to talk to people who pray. How many of you here pray? Great. You're what the Bible calls an intercessor, one who stands in the gap, one who goes uh, to the Father on behalf of people here in the world that don't know how to pray or can't pray. You are interceding. 
And the reason we intercede is because Jesus rose from the dead at the, at the throne of God. He ever lives to make intercession for us. So our intercession is powerful. But let me say to you that pray. You need to do in your prayer what this man did concerning this hawk. And not just pray, God help those that are bound. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm telling you that intercessors need to be interveners. In Acts chapter 4, 29 and 31, the reason why the churches were added to daily, look at the way they prayed. Listen to this. They were praying in the book of Acts after the, after the officials threatened Peter and uh, beat on them a little bit and then released them. They got together and they prayed. Look at, look at their prayer. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to us, your servants, to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand, everyone say hand, yeah. to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your name, through your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So look at the way they prayed back then. They understood that Jesus commanded them to have hands-on faith. And when they were threatened, they didn't just say, Oh Lord, please intervene. Oh God, uh, please step in. Please do something. No, they said, Lord, we believe that you want to do something, so we're asking you to do something through us. Put your hand through us so that we can cast more devils out, so that we can heal the sick. And the Lord, the Lord grabbed that meeting. And he just shook it. He just said, I love this. Keep it up, man. Keep it up. And it says the whole house was shaken where they were gathered. Let me say this to you. It may seem a little harsh. I don't want to offend anybody, but um, we need to be stirred up a little bit regarding this. So let me say to you that no one who just prays that God will help bound people is doing any good. Let that sink in for a minute. Nobody that just simply prays, oh Lord, help so-and-so in bondage, has done a bit of good praying that prayer. It doesn't do anything. You haven't helped them. You haven't done anything. Real prayer, real prayer, hallelujah, is intervening in the spirit and pulling the serpent off the hawk. It's untangling the hawk from the clutches of the enemy. Until you've done that, you're not praying. You're not doing any good. Are you listening to me? So, um, and, and the reason why that it's not doing any good to just simply pray, oh Lord, save the people. Oh Lord, deliver those from, from bondage. Oh Lord, do the... It's because God has already spoken on the matter. God has already done something about the situation and spoken on the matter. And he said through Jesus, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Listen, and he went on to say... Therefore, pray that the Lord send laborers into the harvest. What was the answer? God didn't say, I want you to go look at the suffering of man. I want you to pray that I'll help them. No, Jesus, that prayer was answered a long time ago. Jesus has already come to help. He's a very present help in time of trouble. So what did the Lord say? He said, well, he, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You are empowered to go and pick up that hawk. And so he said, pray that the Lord will, everyone say, send. Send. That's when you pray, you need to pray like you've been sent into that situation. 
send laborers into the harvest. In other words, send people who will go pull the snakes off their victims. When you pray, if you want to do some good, pull the snakes off the victims. Are you listening to me? Get that? That's why I showed you this video. Like I said, if you want to see this video or you're listening to this message, um, you can just simply Google or go to YouTube and look the hawk versus the bull snake or the hawk versus the snake and see this great modern parable. Now let's break down this parable and what it says to us today. First of all, number one, what happened to the hawk? Doesn't that vision of seeing that hawk on the side of the road and the coils of a serpent seem a little odd to you? Has anyone ever seen that before? I'm sure it's happened before, but not very often. I'll tell you what I see all the time. I see big red-tailed hawks and ospreys flying over my house with serpents in their clutches. And those serpents are wiggling. If they had any sense, they would pray that hawk wouldn't drop them. But I see hawks snatching up serpents and flying away with them all the time. But I've never seen that. That's an, that's an anomaly. That's an oddity. But it does happen. You know what happened, don't you? That, that, uh, that serpent turned the tables on the hawk. Hawk went down to get it, and uh, he didn't snatch that thing off the ground fast enough, and that thing got up around his wing and got a hold of him and began to choke the life out of him. It happens in life. happens to Christians, doesn't it? You know, in the course of just pursuing, you're going to gather food or going about natural things. The enemy comes in, turns the tables on you, gets a hold of you. But, but it's an oddity. How did a high-flying hawk become the captive of a dust-crawling serpent? Well, if that's odd to you, then it ought to be equally odd to you that people created in the image of God, designed to know Him and to reign in life, are worshiping lies bound in the coils of deception and dysfunction. That should seem equally odd to you. When you see people that can't get off the ground, God's designed them to fly. God's designed them to soar. But they can't get out of their house. They're in the coils of fear. They can't get off drugs. They're in the coils of addiction. They can't push away from pornography. They're in the coils of human desire and the bondage of the flesh. They can't, uh, they can't uh, be released from strife or fear or any of the other things in life that wrap themselves around both Christians and non-Christians and bind them up. And yet, that is the average picture of the human being and the human condition in the world today. Christians walk by it and see it all the time and simply pray, oh God, help them. Oh God, do something. And yet Jesus said, pray, pray, pray that God will send laborers who will go out and do what this man did for this hawk. Are you listening to me? They're not going to be set free till you get your hands on faith into that situation. Somebody say, praise the Lord, you're beginning to get what this message is all about. Hallelujah. So many Christians like the hawk designed to soar are actually bound in the coils of a serpent and they're not going anywhere unless somebody releases them. That is the truth about that hawk. That hawk was minutes away from dead and that hawk wasn't going to do anything but die unless somebody intervened. Somebody needed to go in that knew what they were doing and release that hawk from that serpent. 
or that hawk ordained and designed to fly would die on that dust road in the clutches of that dust-eating serpent. Can you say amen? amen? But you know, you have to have the will to intervene. You have to be willing to do what these guys did. They stopped their truck. They were on the way to fish. They were not looking for hawks. They were on their way to fish. They saw that hawk on the side of the road. They stopped. They got out and they went. She was delivered. That hawk was delivered because those guys stopped their truck. They go over to her and investigate what the problem is. See, an intercessor's got to be an intervener. You've got to, you've got to stop where you're going sometimes and get out. Break your schedule, get out and go to find out what's going on with that person's life. Stop just praying, Lord, do something. You're the something God's trying to do. Are you listening to me? You are the answer that God has sent to that situation and you keep driving by and saying, oh Lord, do something, oh Lord, help them. He said, I've already helped them. Stop your truck, get out, and go to that hawk. You are anointed to break the chains, the grip of that serpent. <laughs> are you understanding what I'm saying? So her deliverer got out of the truck, went over and bothered to... Now, I want to ask you women, how many of you ladies would pick up a hawk with a bull snake wrapped around it? Even a little one, much less the one the size. I don't think too many people. It takes some nerve, doesn't it? What You need to know you've got authority. Hello. You need to know. You know, there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't do that. The first is, I'm busy. I need to get out on the lake while the fish are still biting. You know, it cuts into your schedule. The other thing is, is that's a little dangerous. That's a little, I don't want that snake to back up and get me. There were a lot of reasons why not to get involved in this situation. That man simply ignored all those reasons and he got in there and put his hands because that's what we're called to do. It's called hands-on faith, people, for a reason. Because the anointing to break the devil's grip isn't going to work in your life as long as you're just driving by the problems. You keep wanting God to manifest the gifts. You keep wanting God to, to show His power and glory. You're never going to see it until you're willing to stop the truck and get out. Until you're willing to go over and engage and investigate and get your hands into the situation. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18, we know at the end of the gospel that great scripture about Jesus sending us into the world that said, He said to them, Go. Everyone say, Go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. These signs will accompany those that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will lay hands, hallelujah, on the sick and the sick will recover. Glory to God. Let me say to you this morning that the hands to heal are with those who go into the world. Let me say it again. It's right there in the word that I just quoted. The hands to heal are attached to the people that go into all the world. You see, going into all the world means that you're being sent from outside. I noticed that 
I've read this verse for years. But I noticed that Jesus said, go into all the world. Why did he say to you and I, go into all the world? Because we're outside of the world. Going into the world means that you are entering from somewhere else. You're coming from heaven. You're coming from fellowship with the Father. You're coming from your relationship with Jesus and you're going into the world. You are going in a missiological purpose. You are going on a mission from God. Can you say amen as the Blues Brothers, quoting them, would say, we're on a mission from God. Praise the Lord. So the Lord said, go into all the world. Going into all the world is being sent from outside. Flowing, however, in the world, what most Christians are doing today, they're more concerned with flowing with the world than going into the world. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, flowing with the world is going along with the world to get along with the world. And that's why we don't see the signs and wonders and miracles. That's why we don't see the lost really getting... You, people get saved today and they disappear. I remember a day when people got saved, they got bone saved. They wanted to know how often is the church open. I'll be there every day, every night. Whatever's going on, I'll be there. Today people get saved, they vaporize. They disappear. You don't see them after that. What is that? That's the modern gospel. That's the gospel that's all about flowing in the world instead of going to the world. You say, where did they pick that up on television? on Facebook, all over the place. Because Christians that represent the name of Jesus Christ are not representing the gospel that says go into the world. They're representing the gospel that says flow with the world. So it's just natural when somebody in the world gets saved, they disappear from church because they're just, they just believe that, oh, I've got Jesus. I'm really going to flow with the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Jesus makes the world better. They think that's why they got saved. So the world's going to be more colorful, more vi vibrant, uh, uh, more of a happy place for me. I know I'm getting off the path a little bit and, and just, I've gone from preaching to meddling. But I think you understand this is a point that needs to be made. Let me just say to you before I move on that Jesus did not send you into the world to get along with the world. He sent you to pull hawks out of the grips of serpents. Can I say that again and get an amen? He didn't send you into the world so that you could convince the world that being a Christian's cool. He didn't send you into the world so that the world would say, you know, those Christians aren't too bad. I, you know, that, 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 they're really nice. I, they're really cool. I, you know, I, I think I will become a Christian because they see in you there's no need to change. I can stay the, my happy, sinful self and just add Jesus. Jesus isn't an additive. He's a deliverer. Unfortunately, we have fewer and fewer Christians today that understand that getting saved means you're sent from outside the world into the world. Not to be a friend of the world, but to get those hawks out of the grip of those snakes. Can you say amen? amen. Now let me, uh, let me take another step forward in breaking down this story. I love this picture. It's one of my favorite. If you're listening to this message and you're not seeing what I'm seeing, it's the part where the man's bent over that hawk on its back. And he is pulling that snake. He is, he's got that bull snake in his, hand, his two hands. And he is uncoiling that snake. He's pulling that snake off that bird. That's, that's what intercession is. That's what prayer is. 
When you get that vision in your mind, when you're praying for that person that's sick, you're praying for that person that's bound, that's lost, you need to let God show you where's the serpent in that person's life. Where's the enemy? You need to get the word of God like a hand. And you need to get that word on that serpent. You need to start pulling them out of that father in the name of Jesus. I take hold of this serpent, loose him and let him go in the name. And there you are in your bedroom all alone. Your family thinks you've, you've taken the, the deep plunge. Listen to him in there, poor thing. <laughs> what are they hearing? You know what? You're being sent into the world. You're not out there trying to get along with the world, talking the world's language. You're talking heaven's language. Heaven's language. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. Hallelujah. Jesus used his word against the enemy. That's what Jesus did. He pulled that serpent off. So let me say to you, use the hands God's given you. If you're going to release that hawk, use the hands God's given you. Stop driving by and saying, oh Lord, Send your hand, O oh Lord, help them. But instead, Lord, anoint my hands. Let my hand, use the hand that God has given you. And by that, I mean the word of God in your mouth, the hand in your mouth. You see, Jesus used the scriptures against Satan. And let me say to you that if you don't know the word, now again, I, I love you, you're my friends, I care about you, I apologize in advance, but somebody's toes are going to get stepped on. And I do it in love. I say it to provoke you to, to love and to good works, to make you really a more effective Christian. But let me just say this to you. If you don't know the scriptures so that you can quote them, if you don't have that chapter and verse and know that word so that you can whip it out, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. So you can quote it against the enemy. Are you listening to me? If you don't know it, you have nothing to remove the serpent from the hawk with. You can just stand there with no hands and watch and pray while the hawk dies. And that's what Christians are doing. Christians don't know the word today. They don't know how to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and cut those snakes asunder. And so you know what they're doing? Their idea of intercession today is praying, oh God, do something because they don't have any hands. And they're standing and watching all the people that God wants to save die and go to hell. They're watching the captives die in their captivity. They're watching the bound die in their bondage because they will not use the word of God. They don't bother to learn the word. They come and listen to sermons. The pastor, he's the one that needs to know the word. How many of you have listened to hundreds of messages and you still couldn't quote a verse if your life depended on it? Again, I'm not criticizing you. I don't need a so, sh uh, show of hands. You don't need to learn a bunch of words, a bunch of scriptures. I'd say learn about 10, 5 or 10. Start with 3 or 4. Make it easy. But I could think of a couple verses that would go a long way if you'd memorize them, if you'd learn them. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus has given his hand of authority to you. You can use it against the enemy. The problem is when you come up on a scene and, and the serpent has coiled up and bound up that hawk, you're like, I, I know I've got authority, but I can't come up with a single verse. To I don't know what to say to the enemy. You see, the devil obeys the word of God. He's not going to obey you just because you badmouth him. You dirty devil. I said, I'm a Christian. I command you to let him go. You're not going to get anywhere. 
Like the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts, who said, well, uh, they got the demoniac in his little shack there, and they went in and they said, we're going to go in and cast the devil out of this guy, like we saw Paul doing. And so they went out and they said, they said to the demoniac, devil, we command you to come out of him uh, through the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. And the devil rose up in the man and said, well, Jesus, I acknowledge, and Paul, I know, but who are you? And he kung fu'd on, released his kung fu on him and beat the clothes off. The, all seven of them ran out bleeding and naked. You see, you need to know the word. The, the, Jesus used the word. It is written, Jesus said. It is written, Jesus said. Third time the devil comes at him again. He wasn't certain Jesus was really committed to the word. Jesus, third time, bam, it is written. The devil said, I need, where's my corner? And he went and sat down for a while. Are you listening? If even Jesus used the word of God, you better find what word he used. Can you say amen? Matthew 10, 7 and 8, listen to what Jesus said. When he said to go, don't flow, go. Stop worrying about flowing and start going. If you want to go, this is how Jesus sent people to go in the world. He said, go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven, quote, I'm quoting Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. There's your first verse. Somebody say, praise the Lord. If you need to write it down, it's Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Memorize it. The next time you come up with a hawk, come up on a hawk coiled up, all you need to do is quote that verse to him and say, I am anointed in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. The devil says, which hand? says, my hand. The kingdom of heaven's at my hand. Hallelujah. You see, if you just try that on him without the verse, he's just going to say, well, what, what are you talking about? Well, the pastor said, so you try to rebuke the devil with the with Pastor Nick said, you're liable to get end up on your back coiled up with that same serpent. When he's done with a hawk, he's gonna get you. Can you say amen? You know what I'm talking about. Jesus said, Go preach and say this. Now when he said that, he gave them authority. He imparted authority. He gave them the rhema, the thus says the Lord. Go and preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Heal the sick. I'm anointed to heal the sick. Next time you come up with a sick hawk and the serpent of affliction is around him, you spirit of affliction, come off. The kingdom of heaven's at hand in the name of Jesus. Looser. And if, they, and if it doesn't jump off right away, get your hands in there. You say, how do I do that? Just keep quoting that verse. It's the word of God that is the hand. That's why you need to bear down. That's not why you need to be insistent. Sometimes in prayer, the first time I pray for somebody that the enemy would loose them, I don't see in the spirit, I don't see that, that uh, person being released. I feel in my spirit the, the clutches of the enemy. But I know in my spirit. See, you say, what are you talking about? You know in your spirit. Well, you get to praying, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you are in the, when you spend some time in fellowship with the Lord, when you spend some time praying for people, you learn this stuff. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Glory to God. But there's a point at which I, I, I can see that the, the constriction of the serpent's been broken. What's happened at that very moment, that demon, that devil, that's intent on destroying that person with, with uh, um, uh, uh, bondage of whatever kind it is, I've gotten its attention. 
It feels the pressure of the word that I'm bringing to bear on it. And it has to break off of the hawk in order to deal with me. It breaks its attention off the hawk and it realizes i got to defend myself against this dude. That's exactly what happened to the snake. You see that? That snake, when he first picked it up, the snake was like, oh no. No, this guy will go away. I'm just, I'm hugging, I'm holding on, I'm going to choke this hawk, I'm going to have it. But after that guy persisted and he kept pulling, you could see that snake relaxed, said, I'm going to have to fight this dude. i got to fight him. i, I got to defend myself against him. You see, that's what happens when you use the Word of God. You go against the enemy with the Word of God, he'll eventually let go of those captives, he'll deal with you. I want him to deal with me. Because I've got authority to drive him away. You notice that when that snake came off, he just snapped two or three times at the guy and then said, I just better get out of here. You're standing in the authority of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, the devil will flee. Peter said, resist him, he'll flee from you. Or was it James, one of those two guys towards the end of the Bible? <laughs> resist the devil, he will flee from you. So, you know, there are a lot of poor sister hawks out there in the coils of the enemy. And uh, you know this church could be filled four or five times over if we got a hold of this word and did it. Just get this and do it. And you could fill this place and you know it wouldn't be a bunch of retreads from other churches. It'd be, it'd be real new safe people. People that you found on the side of the road. Come on church. People you found bound up on the side of the road. And instead of praying, oh Lord, help them, oh Lord, do something. You surrendered your insecurity to God. Said, you know what, I'm anointed of God. I can do this. I don't need to call Pastor Nick. I can do this. I, and you start praying for them. You start praying and interceding in the Spirit to the point where you're intervening in their life. They'll get saved. Go to them. Put them hands on there. Hallelujah. Jesus said to you, and I say to you in his name, go and preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Close your Bible and stand with me this morning. Glory to God. We can bring those uh, other two lights up. Well, I hope this image has, has really burned a spot in your mind and encourages you what God has given you and the ability that you have. And I want to say this to you before we pray, that <clears throat> that man got out of the truck, I'm sure, was not a professional snake handler. I, I, he was not driving, and I read, the, I read the caption under the YouTube thing. It says they were heading, they were going fishing. He wasn't out. He wasn't an evangelist. He didn't have a miracle ministry. He wasn't out looking for hawks to free. He was on a recreational trip, but he stopped. And when he stopped, God stopped. And when he got out, God got out. When he put his hand, God put his hand. That's what I'm saying to you this morning. That's how the church grows. That's how the kingdom of God advances. 
when you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, I send you, go. Go into all the world. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bow your heads with me this morning. How many of you this morning, if I ask this question, could answer in the affirmative with a hand raised? How many of you this morning would say, I want the Lord to send me. I want to be one of those that go. Let me see your hand. Really and truly, I want to go. Whatever that means, I want to be one of those that go. I want God to send me. Most excellent. Praise the Lord. We've got about 98%. Raise their hand. Put your hands down. That's great because God wants to send you. And the Bible says, pray the Lord will send laborers. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. As I'm going to pray over you. And if you would, those of you that raised your hand, I know it's going to take a moment. But I'm going to be real quick about it. I want you to step out and come across the front. Just shoulder to shoulder and make a line. And just give me enough room to move up and down this line. And I'm going to move quickly and I'm just going to lay my hand on you. And you and I, at the moment we make contact, you and I, at the moment we make contact, are going to believe that that sending anointing is released in you. Now, I know all of you that are standing up here, you're saved. The Holy Spirit's in you. I know it's there. I know the Holy Spirit is there. There's something, though, about us getting into agreement with the Word of God and answering His call. Those guys that prayed in the book of Acts, they were already saved and they were already filled with the Holy Ghost when the Bible says that the Lord shook the house and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were already had already been baptized in the Spirit, yet it says they were all filled and the Lord shook the house. So God's going to shake your house. God's going to refill you and shake your house this morning. Hallelujah. Even though you're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, because we are praying what's on the Lord's heart, we're saying, Lord, there's hawks out there. I need to go get them. Is that what we're saying? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father.